Well, it's good to be here at Porch Light Baptist Church this Christmas morning. I'm glad to have those that's been able to come out, those may be watching online, and those that may watch this later on. And uh, we do have a message this morning. It's a little different. Uh, it is a Christmas message. Uh, however, we're not going to be reading out the traditional Christmas text out of Luke chapter 2, or even Matthew chapter 1 and 2 there, but... Uh, we're going to be looking in the Gospel of John, John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And typically we'll turn there during our Easter message because it is dealing with the crucifixion of Christ and his death on, on the cross. Um, but I want to look at it this morning with a, a different thought in mind. And this one is a, a Christmas thought. And I've titled the message this morning, Christmas Without Jesus. Christmas Without Jesus. Uh, leading up to our text, before we read there, uh, we find that Jesus has been arrested. Uh, he's been beaten. He'd been, he's been put on a mock trial. Uh, the Jews, when they were given the choice to either release Jesus or the murderous Barabbas, what did they say? Release unto us Barabbas. And so they would uh, rather have Barabbas, a, a, a terrible, notorious murderer, Release than to have the spotless Lamb of God released, uh, Jesus, who had never uh, committed one sin or crime in his entire life. Their hatred toward this only sinless man on earth is so depraved that they would just as soon have a murderer in their presence than, than Jesus. It's really bizarre how that uh, came about. Uh, but we know that they screamed out, uh, His blood be upon uh, us and our children. And when they did that, they sealed their fate. And so let's look at uh, that text there, John chapter 19. Start with verse 25, and we'll read down through 30. John 19, 25 through 30. And here the Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Help us now as we try to preach. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, here we find that Jesus is stretched out there on the horrible cross. He'd been forced to carry it upon his back. We know he would, had been beaten so much and was so weak. Uh, up all night with all these things happening to him after they brought him down off the uh, from the Mount of Olives up there and, and into Jerusalem. Uh, very weak, but there he is stretched out on that cross. He'd been brutally beaten by the Roman soldiers, nearly to the brink of death. That's what they would do. They would beat you so much that you would nearly die. They didn't want you to die during the beating. They wanted you to live so that they could enjoy watching you suffer on the cross and suffocate to death. And that's where Jesus is up there. I can only hear the hammer strikes of the Roman soldier as he drove the nails through the hands of Jesus and through his feet. 
on that uh, cruel cross. And if it was built like we believe it to be built, uh, they would have the center beam and uh, they would place him upon it and put the cross beam and then stand the thing up and drop it into a hole. They couldn't nail him while he's suspended up in air. So they would nail him while it's laying on the ground and then they had a hole pre-dug that they would then put that pole in with him already crucified on it. Uh, what a terrible, horrible thing that must have been when they dropped that into the hole and every muscle and bone and, and uh, skin and everything stretched uh, underneath the strain of his body as it was as there on that cross. Uh, it's believed he hung there completely naked. They stripped off his royal robe, and or the one they put on him, and uh, he had his other garment, but it was blood-stained, and uh, you know they were gambling over the garments. But uh, it, he was hanging there completely naked in front of probably thousands of people. This was a great spectacle there in Jerusalem when they marched him through the streets, calling out uh, his crimes and uh, announcing his crucifixion. And there would have been many people that would have followed. It was during that time, and there was a lot of people there at Passover. And so there was so many there, they would have naturally followed this parade through the town and up the mountain there. Uh, called Golgotha, the place of the skull, because it looks like a man's skull up there on that mountain. But he hung there, stripped all of his humanity, uh, his dignity, displayed before all those people. And that's where this story picks up this morning. And, you know, I like to do this. I like to put our, ourselves in the place there of, the, of where it happened in history. Sometimes I'll do this when I'm studying and preparing, and I'll simply close my eyes and think about it and try to put myself right there in that crowd that day with all those other people, and I imagine I'd be just as bad as the rest of them, standing there when all this takes place. You can hear all the, the hubbub, the people talking, some laughing, some mocking, some screaming out at him. He had some crying that was there. We're going to talk about those today, by the way. We're going to talk about four different people that were at the foot of the cross that day uh, that would be spending Christmas without Jesus. And so put yourself there in that scene. Look at verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Now we talked about her, was it last week or the week before? Uh, it's week before Mary, uh, very merry Christmas. And we talked about Christmas through her eyes and what it must have been like when the angels came and told her of, her, of the son that she was going to bear that was uh, uh, the uh, the Christ. And uh, here she is. We know all the background of her that w the Bible tells us and how God had uh, found, uh, or she had found favor in God's eyes. She was highly favored among women. And she'd had the, the Christ child at his birth. Uh, we know his mother was there with him uh, as she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. He was there in the manger I can see the pictures of her holding her, her precious son in her arms, her firstborn son. And her and Joseph by this time now were, were married, uh, they, but they, he, they still had not um, been together as husband and wife in that sense, physical sense. But uh, they come together during the time of the census because that's where Joseph was from. And they have baby Jesus there. And I can see them now. As the bright star is shining above the manger, she's holding her baby. Uh, the cattle are lowering, like the song says, you know, the baby awakes, <laughs> all that. 
But uh, just think about that. And the shepherds coming, what that must have been like when this big group of shepherds show up all of a sudden and they want to see this this uh, one, this child that's the king of the Jews. Uh, and, you know, I, I was thinking about that. And just a few Christmases ago, I don't know, it's maybe been five years by now, I don't know, but it's back when all the kids were still living at home. And uh, they were all there, and like every Christmas, of course, we get prepared. Uh, we used to open presents on Christmas morning when they were all here. And uh, we'd get up at 5 o'clock or 6 in the morning real early. But I remember that Christmas we all got up, and uh, we gathered around the living room. Some of us was a little half asleep, but we had the Christmas tree all lit up. It was glowing, presents under it. And I know everybody was eager to, to open presents, but uh, we sat there before that and we talked about and thanked the Lord for what he'd allowed us to enjoy uh, and we were recognized we were celebrating his birth we we know that he wasn't born on December 25th but yet we do recognize it as the day of his birth um, and we sat around the dinner table I remember we had a big dinner and uh, my my oldest daughter Jessica was, was asking the prayer and uh, she started praying and uh, when she finished, she was embarrassed. She said, I forgot to mention his birth. I talked about his death, she said, because she was uh, thanking him for dying on the cross, and it kind of embarrassed her. And uh, my son Matthew spoke up, and he said, "He said, well, if it wasn't for his uh, death, then his birth would have meant nothing. So uh, it was suitable, and I just thought that was, that was pretty profound uh, uh, for what he said. And we need to remember that. Some people have already, I'm sure, opened presents this morning with the woes that have little kids. Uh, but I hope that we're showing our kids, training them up in the right way uh, in the admonition of God and showing them the reason for uh, celebrating Christmas. But here in our text, Jesus is there stretched between heaven and earth. And we know that he says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And uh, he's lifted up above that crowd today, on that day. And he looks out there, and there stands his mother. His mother. No doubt, by this time, she's crying. Uh, I'm sure she's trembling. She is frantic. I mean, you can only imagine your, your child uh, going through what he's, he's gone through. The agony she must have felt watching him, those awful, terrible wounds upon him. The blood that uh, it must have been pouring. Uh, I don't know the extent of what he looked like, but from everything that I've studied, he probably more or less looked like hamburger meat hanging there. He'd been beaten so badly. Uh, his flesh um, separated from the bone. We know no bones were broken, but his flesh had been separated with his skin uh, as those uh, Roman whips would do as they go in and grab it and just pull chunks of skin out. And what an awful thing that must have been for his mother. But he looks out there and sees her. Sorry, I can't hardly see. Think about what it was like for her. We remember reading from Luke how when the angel Gabriel came to her and announced the announcement, 
It says in Luke 1 and 30, it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Imagine what she's thinking at this point. God, I, I thought he was... I thought he was your son. I thought he was going to reign on the throne of David. It doesn't look like he's going to. He's hanging on a cross. I can imagine her thinking this thing. We know that she'd pondered many things in her heart about Jesus. The Bible tells us. I don't really think Mary understood how this was going to end like this. Perhaps she thought about that journey she'd made with Joseph when they went to Bethlehem and they'd had Jesus there in that manger. Maybe she thought about the trip home and when he was 12 and, and they uh, thought he was missing. Went back and looked for him and he's there teaching doctors and, and lawyers things. Maybe she thought about that and, and thought, God, I thought he was destined for greatness. Maybe she then understood the words of Simeon when they brought him to the temple to be presented unto God. And the Bible says in Luke 2 and 34, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own, thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Maybe those words now she's ring, they're ringing in her ears and thinking, is this what you're talking about, God? But there he is in that awful place, and she's standing there. And through tears, I'm sure she gazed up at her son, how she wished she could go and take him down. No doubt she wanted to tend to all of his wounds. Her heart must have been broken. Was she thinking, God, is this really your intentions? This would be the first year Mary would have to spend without Jesus. Christmas without Jesus. And we know they didn't celebrate Christmas in that time. and We don't even see that they celebrate birthdays at all, but I imagine every year at the time of his birth, she remembered it. This would be the first year she would be without him. It is birthday. Also standing there with Mary is another Mary. The Bible calls her Mary Magdalene. She was a devoted disciple of the Lord Jesus. We don't see that she was married. She had the luxury to be able to follow Jesus around, and she did. She would follow him to places and listen to his teaching and, and uh, be there in his ministry. The Lord had cast out evil spirits and seven devils out of her. The Bible says in Luke 8, 1 and 2, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And a certain woman which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. No wonder she was there. She loved him. She was devoted to him. He had healed her. He had saved her. 
He'd done for her what no man on earth could have done. And she loved him for it. She, he gave, she gave her life to him. A life that once had been taken over by devils and evil spirits was now fully devoted to the Lord Jesus. She would have done anything in the world to help him. If she could have, she would have took him down off that cross. And she would have tended to his wounds. I'm sure how she wished she could pay him back for all the things that he'd done for her. Yet she was helpless. She couldn't do a thing. She had to stand there like everyone else and watch as he was brutally tortured and crucified on the cross and watch every uh, drop of his blood leave his body and the breath finally leave. This would be the first time Mary Magdalene would have to spend Christmas without Jesus. There's somebody else there also at the cross, this third person. John, the one whom Jesus loved, the Bible says. Verse 26, it says, When Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. I imagine that John was remembering the day that he and his brother James, along with Peter and, and Simon, Peter's brother, uh, they had a fishing business together. And uh, James and John were out mending their nets as Jesus came by. He first, first called Simon and, and uh, uh, Andrew and Peter. I'm sorry, Andrew and Peter. And then he called John and James as they were there mending their nets. And the Bible says they left their nets and followed him. Uh, in uh, I don't have the scripture referenced here, but uh, when he calls them, they immediately drop everything they're doing. They leave their ship and they follow Jesus. I imagine that uh, John is, is thinking about that. When Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And now it's ended after only three years, three, maybe a third years. Uh, it's all ended. Maybe he was thinking about the time that him and his brother James and Peter were all up on that mountain. And they watched Jesus as he transfigured into his holy, radiant deity. And uh, Elias and Moses was there in their presence. And God spoke from heaven directly as they watch the transfiguration of Christ on that mountain. Uh, I imagine he's thinking about that and thinking, how could this be? Uh, we know who he is. We know his deity. He is very, the very God, the, the, the uh, Son of God and God himself, yet he's hanging on the cross. Maybe he was thinking about when Jesus announced that somebody had betrayed him or were going to. And he put his head over on his breast and he said, Lord, is it I? Am I the one that's going to betray you? Out of all the gospel writers, John's the only one that refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves. Jesus obviously had great trust in this man. Uh, some people say that John was his best friend. Um, perhaps, could be. He was very trusted though and he loved him. And he loved him so much, he's willing to put the care of his own mother on him. So, great trust. 
Now, Jesus had younger brothers, and he had sisters as well. Um, but Jesus was the firstborn of the family. And so he would have been responsible for taking care of them. He would have been the one, if the family needed anything, money or, or something done, Jesus was the one responsible because of being the firstborn. But yet we don't see his brothers or sisters even mentioned here at the foot of the cross. And the reason being, they did not believe in him. The Bible tells us this, that uh, in John 7 and 5, it says, For neither did his brethren believe in him. Uh, they knew that he could perform miracles. They'd seen it. They knew what kind of uh, presence he had, but yet they didn't believe him as the Savior or the Christ. And they wanted to take advantage of him by him performing these miracles in front of people so that he would gain great audiences. And they encouraged him, oh, go out and show your miracles and the things that you've done because they wanted some of that attention upon themselves. Jesus refused to do that. He wouldn't go and make it known whom he was. He would go and perform miracles, but people would have to realize and understand that by themselves through faith. But his brothers didn't believe in him. They wasn't there for him to look at them and say, make sure you take care of mom. He didn't do that. He, he looks at this at John and says, behold thy mother. In other words, you've been adopted into the family and you're going to take care of her in my place. But the Bible doesn't mention anybody else of, of Jesus' family except his mother and an aunt who was also there, uh, Mary's sister. And they're the only ones in the family we know of that was even present during the crucifixion. The rest of the family's probably back in Capernaum. That's where they live. So Jesus trusts the care of his mother over to his best friend, John. And this would be the first Christmas John would have to spend without Jesus. I want to mention somebody else that was there. It mentions Pilate, the Jews, one of Jesus' aunts, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, the ruler of the synagogue. These were all present there. But there's somebody else that their name is really not mentioned here. He hung on the cross, suffered, bled, and died. And as he looked out on that crowd, there was someone there. You probably know who they were. It was you. It was me. We were there that day because from the beginning of time, before the foundations of the earth, before the Lord even created things, He knew our, of our existence that would become. Jesus, as He's hung on that cross, he knew that eventually we would need to be saved. That we would not be able to save ourselves. We were just as, as awful and terrible and sinful as these people that were calling for his crucifixion. Yet he looked out on all those people. He saw us. He knew we were without hope. We were dying in our sins and destined to go to hell. And so on that cross, in our opening text, it says that Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Because Jesus died for us on that day, we do not have to celebrate Christmas without him. There are many people today that's, that's celebrating under the name of Christmas. 
They don't realize the first part of that word is Christ. They have no thought of it being a celebration of the birth of Jesus. That doesn't even come to their mind. Christmas has just turned into a uh, a time of um, carousing, uh, people getting together, getting drunk. Um, of course, presence is, is really on everybody's mind. Um, all kinds of things going on, perverted activities under the guise of it being part of Christmas. A lot of the world, over half the world, is spending Christmas without Jesus. I wonder about us today. Who are we celebrating on this Christmas Day? Is it all the great things we can open up, presents we can look at, things we can use, and uh, you know, some things that we know are, are nice to have. We enjoy those things, but we need to remember that those things mean nothing. That Christ Jesus means everything. Are we going to celebrate Him on this day? Is he part of our lives? Is he part of our family? Or are we going to spend Christmas without Jesus? Well, if you are spending him without Jesus on this day, you don't have to next Christmas. Because any time you can call upon the name of the Lord, just believe in him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What about it? Will we make Christmas a day we remember and celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? The one the Bible says that God sent his only begotten son here to die for us so that we would not have to go to hell and pay the penalty for our sins. That's the whole reason to celebrate Christmas. I know there's detractors today, religious people that claim we're wrong for even celebrating Christmas, that it's unbiblical and a Catholic holiday and everything else. I'm not celebrating a Catholic holiday. I'm celebrating the remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did when he came here on this earth to die for us. He was born of a virgin. He spent his life here on earth for around 33 and a third years preaching the coming of the kingdom. And he hung on that cross. He died. He was buried and he rose again in three days. And that is the gospel. If I believe that, if you believe that, call on the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. All you got to do is believe it and put your faith in him. For by faith you're saved. Not by works. It's grace through faith. I'd like for us to pray together. Father, we thank you for the message today. Lord, I pray that each and every person remembers the reason that we celebrate Christmas. Lord, we know it's not for the gifts and the, the candy and the food and all those things that we enjoy, but God, it's the remembrance of what you did for us when you came here and, and, and lived on this earth and gave your life and died for us and was raised again. Lord, we know that you now sit on the right hand of the Father and you make intercession for us. And God, all we have to do is call upon your name to be saved. Lord, by faith, we can believe in you. And you'll save us. Lord, if there's one today that needs to be saved, would this be the Christmas that they understand the reason that we celebrated, God, and come to you for salvation? Lord, help us. Help us here at Porchlight Baptist Church. May this coming year, God, this last Sunday of, the, of 2022, God, may we look to the future, Lord. Look to the next 
year that's coming, Lord, and may it be one that we prosper and, and grow in your grace and your love. Lord, and, and shine our light out upon this lost world. Help us, Father, be better. Thank you for this day. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.